Hello, welcome to Breaking the Shackles of Time, a podcast about writing and other topics. We are continuing our new trend here with episode five. I have a wonderful guest with me today. Um, I have Dr. Nadine Chan with me today. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I appreciate you coming and visiting and having a conversation. For a little bit of background about uh, Dr. Chan, we, um, she's an assistant professor of cultural studies at Claremont Graduate University. Um, her areas of research and teaching include media historiography and theory, post-colonial and new empire studies, environmental humanities, media and the Anthropocene, visual studies, global Asia, Southeast Asian film and media, amongst others. Uh, she received her PhD in cinema and media studies from USC, University of Southern California, and is a former Harper Schmidt Fellow um, through the Society of Fellows at the University of Chicago and a Global Asia Postdoctoral Fellow um, from Nanyang Technological University in Singapore. From what I know, uh, she has two main projects right now. One um, is a project that's conceptualizing film as an object that is both that is animated by both colonial and counter-colonial energies. And hopefully we'll have a chance to talk a bit more about that, as well as um, another project that's focusing more on the visualizations of the Anthropocene, particularly through questions of archive information and effect. And I think both of those studies will be great examples of the uniqueness of cultural studies um, as a field. Just a bit more, her research has been supported by a Social Science Research Council Andrew W. Mellon International Dissertation Research Fellowship, Global Asia Postdoctoral Fellowship, amongst others. Um, and we are welcoming her here today to discuss the unique qualities of the field of cultural studies, as well as her specific work within that. Um, so once again, thank you so much for joining me. Um, and I'd like to start, you know, uh, as as I typically do at a more general level, and then we'll narrow in um, to your specific research. Uh, so, you know, my sense is a number of people when they hear, you know, I, my sense, you know, the audience might not fully understand what cultural studies is um, uniquely as a field or a, an academic discipline. So if you had to describe it to someone who doesn't know anything about it, how, how would you do that? Yeah. Um, so first of all, you know, thank you for having me, Marcus, and for that intro. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, well, cultural studies, it's, it's a lot of things. I mean, you could ask anyone in the field what the discipline is, and they might all well give you different answers. But I think, you know, what one thing we would all agree on is that as a discipline, it's fundamentally interested in unearthing, you know, infrastructures of inequality, oppression, thinking about networks of power and politics in the production and circulation and use of cultural objects or at particular cultural moments. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the concerns of cultural studies, as I say, will always be fundamentally about the interrogation of power and the structures of power in whatever forms. Um, so I think in a nutshell, <laughs> that that is what it, it would it would really be. I, yeah, I, I guess I'd say um, it's a discipline that's built around an ethos, right? The ethos of, you know, always making uh, doing scholarship that in some way intervenes into questions of power, hegemony, and ideology. Yeah, so that's so that's really interesting. I mean, it seems seems to me that then it has kind of that like 
social justice critical paradigm. And then it's also very, you know, pragmatic, it seems like a very practical, like uh, the way you're talking about, you know, the use of methods, you know, you are able to pull from established methods in sounds like the humanities and the social sciences, just very directly, as well as other fields to just, okay, we've got a problem here that we want to solve, or we, we have something that we want to study and highlight, and we can just use whatever whatever method best accomplishes that. Um, so that that's probably, you know, that leads a bit into what my next question was going to be, which was, you know, what's different about cultural studies compared to anthropology and sociology? And it sounds to me that those are two key elements, right? That, that anthropology and so- sociology don't have explicit critical or social justice lens lenses, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think yeah, coming back to it, that's really sort of cultural studies in a nutshell, right? That that sort of ethos of political kind of intervention, kind of, you know, undermining and breaking apart sort of structures of power and seeing sort of the dirt and, you know, the, 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 the networks and then the issues of connectivity that, that, that make those structures of power happen. And absolutely in the sense that, like, um, I think cultural studies allows us to have the freedom to teach ourselves or to to get the skills that we need in order to answer the questions that are important. So unlike, I mean, obviously, I, I'm not trained in these other fields that you mentioned, so I can't really speak for that. But, but you know, what reads to me as quite, I, I guess, liberating about cultural studies is that, you know, we pull methods from disciplines in order to speak to the research question or the research research problem that we have. So it's very much a process whereby our question and our research problems drive the methodology and drive the process and not not the other way around, right? Um, So for instance, if say, you know, literary analysis of a novel makes sense for one chapter, we do that, right? If an ethnography makes sense, say, you know, in terms of like how this novel was being received in its society or, you know, how it continues to circulate in the everyday and it's become a part of our everyday life. And if that works for another chapter, that's great too, right? So in cultural studies, we find our methods, we, we make our, we, we find methods that fit our questions as opposed to sort of the other way around. Um, it sounds to me then that, I mean, there's kind of a tie, tied along with that, then I'm sure is kind of the idea that, you know, situatedness is really important, right? Or the the cultural and power dynamics of a specific situation and that's probably historical um, as well as geographically bound, probably in some cases, um, you know, power represents itself in dynamic ways and expressed in different social institutions and conglomerations, I guess. So when you kind of narrow it down, I'm assuming and ask, you know, these critical questions geared towards social justice about uh, specific, I think you meant, you said like cultural events earlier. So like about a cultural event, my assumption is that, you know, tied into this approach is the idea that there's something unique here happening that isn't necessarily transferable to other cultural events in other places. Like maybe some of it is, but you have to approach the situatedness of that specific circumstance for the uniqueness that it is. And so knowledge, you know, kind of has that character too, or what we can know about uh, the world or about these power dynamics is that, uh, you know, they're, they are situated in these, 
in unique circumstances. Would that would that be correct? So um, historically, it it has its roots in Marxist critique with two lineages in the Birmingham School and the Frankfurt School coming out of the 60s and 70s. And um, the Birmingham School in particular, and this is how I, I how I how I teach these um, my cultural studies courses, uh, is very much interested in the convergence with um, media studies and studies of, of of mass culture, questions of popular and mass culture, such as cinema, t- television, new media, and even print forms like advertising, the press, and and so forth. So you have all these the, the you know these so called uh, intellectual trajectories coming out of you know this its beginnings in, in, in Marxist roots and add to this a tremendous array of very new and exciting methodologies and perspectives, including, you know, that of feminism, um, sexuality studies, critical race studies, post-colonial studies, new empire studies, as well as various, you know, sort of theoretical and um, modes, deconstruction and what have you, which have over the past few decades really pushed and challenged cultural studies to continuously grow and to reinvent itself. And that's one of the, the I guess, the, the exciting things about, about this particular field and working in, in, the, in this particular field in that there is always this, this conversation happening between um, different and, and emergent sort of schools of thought. Cultural studies has, has never been kind of a static field. In that way, it kind of defies kind of, you know, a particular static definition of it. But that said, you know, at its heart, as I mentioned, are, you know, it's Marxist roots. And this is an intellectual tradition that I still emphasize in my teaching today and is particularly pertinent in, in you know, in light of our neoliberal moment and sort of the effects of that, right? Um, to my mind, there will always be a kind of leftist progressive element to the ethos of cultural studies, right? A desire to kind of interrogate the structures of power, whether they be in the forms of capital or institutions such as incarceration or, you know, ideological methods, um, ideological modes of mass culture like cinema and, and you know, at, at present digital new media, for instance. Um so, you know, one would say that, some would say that, you know, cultural studies has lost its way in recent decades. It's become so diffuse. It's become sort of, you know, the part of critical thinking and critical theory and sort of critical work everywhere. But, you know, that's that's a good thing, right? It shows that, you know, how prevalent the our modes of inquiry are in these other disciplines. So, you know, as I mentioned, um, if one were to be sort of, trace the lineage of the field. It was developed by um, British Marxist academics in the mid-20th century, and it's since been kind of taken up by many disciplines worldwide. Um, interestingly, it's sort of institutionalization, in, in particularly in the U.S., into programs and departments would, uh, would have been something perhaps that the founding fig, you know, the, 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 the initial kind of thinkers behind cultural studies might have been uncomfortable with because of the very nature of cultural studies um, so-called, you know, counter-institutionalizing and even one would say radically anti-disciplinary bent, right? So there have been many sort of, you know, scholarly efforts to pin down, you know, cultural studies, its formation, its its disciplinary parameters, where it's heading in recent years. Um, and but but at the same time, you know, um, you know, it's this is not one of the questions that we in cultural studies should be holding near and dear to our heart, right? Because at the heart of it, right, what we are interested in this field is very much a kind of critical engagement in 
in questions of of power, hegemony, ideology, and and sort of, and, and, and all of these things, right? Um, it's becoming, you know, I think now more than ever, cultural studies is experiencing a a a, 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 a kind of revival. Um, looking at, say, um, you know, our present day kind of media driven, ideology driven politics, how this converges with the emergence of new mass medias, social and digital media, and, and you know, how structures of race and social inequality and capital undergirds all of that. So we're really kind of seeing a, a moment that was very much like the earlier period out of which cultural studies emerged, right? And we're seeing a revival of that moment now. So I think it's a very exciting time to be sort of part of this this field. It sounds to me that what you're describing is situatedness is is a really important element of how cultural studies approaches culture, right? Uh, you you've talked about you know different cultural events or different moments um, as being the the main topics or the main focus of study, um, and then looking at different expressions or elements of culture, but. It seems to me, and if I understand correctly, like kind of the, the epistemological approach behind this is that there's, there are things that go on in situated uh, contexts that are going to be unique to those contexts in ways that might not be easily transferable to other ones. So there isn't like some overarching knowledge about culture that we're going to be able to investigate and learn from specific instances of culture. Um, it's going to be much more contextualized, and maybe there are things that are transferable, but for the most part, you have to do the work of really digging into a specific situation. Good question. Um, yeah, so, you know, in that sense, I think cultural studies does both, and it can do both. It is definitely not a field which makes, you know, claims toward grand grand universal theory. I mean, um, to think it's, it's not like, say, you know, physics or philosophy, um, wh which makes, you know, these, these large overarching claims. Certain but, philosophers. Right. Yeah. Certain philosophies. <laughs> um, so in that way, it, it is not interested. Well, I'm, I'm, it's hard to say, but you know, it is less interested in having these grand claims than it is about looking at how power and politics works. And it's hard to do that without some form of specificity. So, yeah. but at the same time, nor is it say, you know, it could be, no, but nor does it necessarily have to be a field that's mired in minutiae in, you know, these, these tiny yeah. little esoteric moments coming back to that to that idea that we were talking about earlier which is about how you know cultural studies as a field is very much invested in asking sort of questions that matter sort of you know questions about power that matter so in our in our work yes we we definitely want to make our research as situated as as you know as historically kind of grounded and grounded in, in sort of the everyday of, of the social structures around that particular mm -hmm. moment as possible. But we also kind of want to think, 
to go a step further and to think what does this mean in terms of how power works? What does this mean in terms of, you know, how hegemony works? How does ideology work? And how do I see these these sort of formations and structures happening through my whatever case study, if that makes sense? So it makes yeah. claims towards both both sort of <laughs> ends of the yeah. spectrum, right? It, it, speaks, mm-hmm. it speaks to larger concerns, but it's also sort of very much grounded in sort of the con- the concrete and the specific. Yeah, and I think um, that that makes a lot of sense to me too. Especially, I mean, I'm sure once you bring in the RFU, you know, approach or think of the field or work through through the field on with a with more of an emphasis on the Marxist um, tradition as well. I'm sure um, more of that goes into it, right? Because given the predominance of capitalism and the capitalist structure, you know, those sorts of economic and then political and all the other sorts of interconnected power dynamics that are going to, you know, move out and through uh, the way capital functions. Um, I'm sure, you know, there are going to be things that, that cross boundaries as well that you could talk about that that's learned through specific situations yeah and that's what's what is exciting about cultural studies is that you know you can have these conversations across disciplines across fields across area studies even because they're all kind of coming back to this notion of you know how power works and how do yeah. we kind of grapple with with kind of the meat of it and you know the the, the meshiness underneath these these various structures so yes it speaks big but it's also very very kind of um done well it's also kind of very rooted in in the specifics of the moment and place yeah so i would love to jump in a bit more to your specific research mm-hmm. and i would love you know if you could use some of this as an opportunity to also uh, talk about you know why some of these areas of study are so important in our contemporary understanding of power dynamics right now right um because i I'm sure as you're talking about, there's like a, there's a resurgence of kind of the original spirit of what, of where cultural studies came from in the sixties. And some of these ideas, my sense, I don't know, you should uh, please (laughs) um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, some of these areas of study were probably present then. And then some of them have developed over the years, Um, you know, and I would love to hear a bit more about you know why some of these are important in the field and it's and they're being looked at um, instead of others. So to start with the first project that you, uh, you're working on that I mentioned earlier, um, so the first is that uh, you know you want to look at film as both colonial and counter-colonial um, and do this specifically through a study of colonial educational films in British uh, Malay, Malaya and Singapore from uh, the 1910s to the present. And by doing this also offer a theoretical and historiog- historiographical framework for colonial cinemas and their post-colonial afterlives. So this is really interesting to me where you're using um, you know, film studies here in a certain theoretical and historiographical framework to approach, um, you know, the workings of colonialism, specifically in the context of British Malaya and Singapore, you know, um, how, you know, what drew you to this 
And how do you approach this in a way that you think is, you know, if you could use kind of what we talked about in theory a bit earlier, how, how does the way you approach this specifically kind of reflect the values of cultural studies? And then maybe, I'm sorry to give you a three-part question, but then just some, some of the details, like some of the really, what are some of the really important things or interesting things to you that, that you feel like you're, you're learning through this study? Yeah, sure. Thanks for that question. And I'm kind of working through it now that, you, that, that you've that you asked. And I guess there are many ways for me to kind of get at that question. But I suppose, you know, it, like if I were to kind of draw a through line through all of my, you know, my, my research interests, they're all about sort of questions of media, medium specificity and power, right? I'm, I'm, I'm always interested in how power works through our mediated forms of knowledge, right? Um um, and I and I I want to tease out how webs of power structures happen and 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 I take these to mean sort of different things at different points in the work. So it could be colonialism, it could be sort of environmental degradation, it could be kind of um, um, exploitative capitalism. How these things are continued and how they can be unraveled, but doing so through the specific cultural object of of medium, of media. So. Um, there's this book that I really like, Anne Stoller's <laughs> Duress, Imperial Durabilities of Our Times, that I teach um, in, in my course um, on um, media and uh, durable empires, that really speak to this idea of the durabilities of imperial formations, right? I'm interested in thinking about how, you know, empire and its colonial forms look different in the 20th century, in the 21st century, but how mm-hmm. one can kind of pass out these various threads um, of capital, of race, um, through these so-called political, different political moments over over time. So, um, you know, how how are these sort of formations durable through you know um, through through time? I guess. Yeah. And then I became interested in 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 cinema, right, as a mass medium that came about in the late, let's you know getting scrambled on my days, <laughs> the late 1800s, and then coincided <laughs> with the late stage, colonialism in its late stage, and yeah. the tide of capitalist modernity that happened in, in many parts of the world. So there was this great kind of confluence between sort of um, new forms of empire in, in, in the 1900s, the late 1800s, and the emergence of this mode of mass culture being that of cinema, right? Yeah. And this, this, this is what led me um, to, my, to my first project, a cinema under the palms, colonial world making in an unruly medium. So here, I mean, this book begins with the premise that in colonial situations, cinema was never just about entertainment, but was very much in, entangled with increasing forms of governance, colonial governance in everyday life. And I look at the context of um, British Southeast Asia, specifically Malaysia and Singapore, as sites where, you know, one of the first sites in the world where um, um, colonial governments were experimenting with using films to produce sort of cine-literate citizens and spectators who kind of shared this a notion, a shared had a, a shared notion of what it means to be a subject that was part of the empire. Hmm. Um, so in many ways that were never before possible, right, colonial cinema could recreate an artificial world where time and space and human and natural environments could be rearranged on the surface of, of celluloid according to very colonial logics, right? You, through film, you could have sort of the British Empire 
picture it together, right? The world could be reassembled as a visualization of imperial capital, an extension of imperial cartographies, and arranged according to vernacular time. So a lot of this book is very much about kind of thinking about how the very logics of empire can be found through the ontology of cinema. So it's not so much a book that's interested in in tracing representation. I'm not terribly interested in like, oh, look at how, you know, native people in Southeast Asia were being represented on film. That's not really the interest here. But it's really thinking about how the very technology, the aesthetics, the form, the ontology of cinema itself speaks to, you know, colonial logics that emerged at the time of its, of its, of its being. Wow. Right? And so, so that's, that's part of the, the, the book's first part of the argument. The book's second part of the argument, and that's, that comes back to your question on the, on the, on the counter-colonial part, is yeah. that in spite of, you know, the medium's um, kind of, emergence as a tool of empire, it was also very much a space for counter-colonial resistance and possibility. You know, and this is where I get at the, 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 uh, what's the, the title of the book, Colonial World, world Making in an in, in Unruly Medium, right? There's something very fundamentally about unruly, uh, fundamentally unruly about cinema. Um, while it ha- helped to build this empire, it was also a, a, a source of its disruption. And this is where maybe, you know, sort of, um, the, the cultural studies part of, of the equ- equation comes in, in that I, I, I look for these, these so-called um, counter-colonial energies in various places around the cinematic object. So it's not just looking at the object itself, but looking at how it was circulated or failed to circulate, looking at how the te- technology worked or failed failed to work coherently. It failed to sort of capture the tropics in a particular way. It failed to capture uh, dark skin um, in, 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 so, in <laughs> exposed correctly. So there were, there were all these failures within the medium itself, not to mention in terms of how it was received. So some of the work that I, that I do involved, you know, kind of um, finding out these histories about how the film was received and continues to be received, you know, among among people in in Malaysia, and this gives it, you know, a kind of social life and an afterlife that exists beyond beyond the 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 nature of the project. I mean, the 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 object of colonial cinema itself, right? So on the one hand, I have this argument about the cinema as a colonial world maker, but on the other hand, I also have this argument about cinema as an unruly medium, right? And so that's kind of the wow. trajectory for for the first book. Yeah, so that that's so interesting. So like on the one hand, you're looking at it in terms of like a colonial instrument of sorts, mm-hmm. right? Like the intended original, okay, we've got this medium that's, you know, going to be more powerful than... I mean, I can imagine, you know, people think this is going to be more powerful than uh, print, you know, in many mm-hmm. respects and in books and in other ways. Let's, you know, let's craft a new world through this medium type thing um, as an as an instrument of colonialization. But then on the on the other hand, and and I have to say, I mean, it sounds really interesting, all the different ways that you described looking at how it didn't work. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. all the way from like being distributed or received to um all the other different ways that it just that didn't pan out, or people used it in more subver- in uh, in other subversive ways. So yeah. that's so. What um, is is it? I don't mean to ask this question, but I'm interested in it. So is is it close? Like how 
how soon is this how are you doing with the project is it going to be ready soon or? it is close <laughs> yes cool. I, fingers I crossed like it will be it. done very very soon so nice. yeah it's, i've been working on it for a while now and I, I think it's time for it to be out in the world i've already started researching and like presenting stuff for my second project so i'm yeah. e eager to think to start thinking about that and kind of bridging some of the arguments in my first project to my second one so you know i'm Great. in the process of like um kind of uh tying up the loose ends you know to a certain degree revisions can never be complete because you know coming back to this whole notion of like cultural studies speaking to kind of critical questions of our moment you know you can write a historical project mine is a mine is a historical project it ends mm -hmm. in, in 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 the late 50s but it always speaks to sort of the questions that drive um us today right i mean um it always gets back to this question of 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 um um media media and power sort of media and it's and it's counter counter possibility which are questions that we're, we're kind of thinking about today too so i think we should jump to your to your next project okay um, cool yeah yeah so um you know because you were saying there are some there's some development too or at least some integration or some tie between the yeah, two. Um, yeah so so is this the one on the visualization visualizations of the anthropocene or? that's right yeah and it's a project cool. that i've been very excited and in many ways came to me quite quite naturally and quite i would say almost in a f quite fluidly from the first project so the first project thinks about you know pretty much uh, coloniality in the, in in the the 1900s and this project thinks about sort of um, the env environmental crises and as an extension of capital. So very much in alignment with Jason Moore's stuff on the capitalocene, um, where coloniality was its dominant proponent at an earlier moment, right? So I see this almost really natural convergence with my second project, which is on um, visual media, data visualization, and and the environmental. Um, thinking back about you know what in that that earlier point I made about what do imperial formations look like um, across and through different sort of political moments and formations, right? Um, how can we kind of look to sort of the environmental issues that we're facing um, as also an extension of quote unquote imperial formations or empire? Mm -hmm. So um, my second project. Um, is tentatively titled um, Documenting Friction in the Extractive Zone, Visualizing Ecological Milieus of Uncertainty and Loss. And it looks at, thinks about various visual instruments that are used to document the world and to record so-called natural phenomena, particularly in the context of Southeast Asia. And so I look at, you know, indexical media forms such as cinema and photography, but also... Mm -hmm. Um, new digital and computational forms of information visualization, such as data mapping, um, scientific modeling of things such as climate change, air pollution, meteorolo meteorology. In other words, it's kind of interested in how, you know, the ways in which data are complex systems, predictive models kind of make visible, immediate, and apparent for human understanding um, Things such as, you know, the long duration of environmental duress, um, what Rob Nixon would call the slow dyings of, of, of and, and long, long dyings and slow violences of, of, of planetary degradation, right? Yeah. And so my project is interested in looking at what are the visual tools in which we use to visualize that and what is limiting and problematic about, about these tools. Yeah. Um, 
So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of working through several research questions now, right? Um, first of all, how do our visual media and methods of information visualization produce our sense of planet and planetary time? How do these modes of seeing ecological crisis within zones of invisibility um, and representational failure work? Um, what are its limitations amid conditions of uncertainty, degradation, and loss? You, you know, what does it mean to ha- to have an indexical medium that can, that can only kind of document the aftermath, yeah. right? And in spite of this, right, can modes of counter-knowledge or occluded visibility still become productive ways of, of kind of build, witnessing and building relationality with our with our planet. I'm starting to go into this area of um, complexity science. Um, and, you know, the idea of complexity and complex systems is another through line for the book. Yeah. And here I'm really kind of referencing um, complexity studies in math and computational science. I mean, talk about interdisciplinary. But I mean, complexity science kind of explains nonlinear linear systems in which large networks um, work in very unpredictable ways. So yeah. weather systems, climate, uh, epidemiolo- epidemiology, the, the worldwide web, you know, financial markets are some instances of nonlinear systems. And I think where I want to kind of take this book toward is kind of thinking about a, an, an ontology of visuality and an, an ontology of, of knowledge, which is less about kind of um, indexical, transparent, immediate relationality to the real, which is very much what things like photography or cinema or like even kind of um, uh, data modeling is all about, but finding ways in which one can picture complexity in the humanities and in media studies, um, perhaps, you know, as a way of taking us closer hermeneutically toward inhabiting milieus of uncertainty and loss. So in other words, you know, I'm not kind of, um, I want to move away from the hardening of knowledge, but quite the opposite, right? The opening up of of media to productive possibilities of of counter-knowledge. Yeah, and that... um... That uncertainty is probably a bit chaotic too, would you say? Yeah, so, yeah. So, well, so, so how do you yeah. represent chaos? Exactly, exactly. How do you represent chaos? And my first book, uh, let's not forget, is um, <laughs> it's about cinema as an unruly medium. So there's this, yeah. this <laughs> through line of, of the chaotic and the unruliness and, and, yeah. and the counter this and that throughout both works. Yeah, or is there any like final takeaway or... Um, any, any, anything you would like to leave the audience with about about cultural studies before we wrap? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, if we could kind of draw a thread through our various meandering conversations today, <laughs> one of the things that really sticks out is it's about how the field is very much invested in questions of, you know, um, of... I guess you could say social justice. And social justice can mean a lot of different things, um, particularly in cultural studies. It could mean kind of literal kind of going out on the streets and activism. It could mean um, community work. It could mean socially engaged scholarship. And the latter, I think, socially engaged scholarship is very much what we are interested in doing here at CGU, whether or not, you know, the work is historical or whether or not the work is, you know, you know, situated in, in another place place in another time, what we're all interested in sort of getting at these questions that matter, questions of power and through kind of socially engaged work that always sort of comes back to the ethos of of cultural studies, right? Which is 
how does power work <laughs> and what are the ways in which we can unseat that or unthink that or you know find different modes of epistemological possibility to to rethink you know um the ways in which um you know sort of forms of hegemony replicate themselves uh, Pro- Professor Chen, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I really enjoyed talking with you, um, and I look forward to you know to reading your work. Thank you, thank you, Marcus, stuff. for this yeah. chance to um, <laughs> um, <laughs> flex my brain a little bit in this this lockdown, and for your really engaging questions. It's been fun. Great. Um, so from Studio B3 at Claremont Graduate University, this has been Breaking the Shackles of Time. Thank you so much for listening and. Um, Look forward to seeing you here next time.